illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here we'll tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half in the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Kill Your Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host and the big bald guy behind the grill, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me as always from Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the director of Thermodynamic Limit Immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beach. Beach, how in the heck are you doing this afternoon? Billy, just living the dream, enjoying a wonderful Labor Day. Um, I got a haircut. I'm doing laundry. Going to go see Wrath of Khan tonight in the theaters. Pretty Ooh, excited about it. That'll be cool. You, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but the original title of the Wrath of Khan was actually going to be called The Revenge of Khan. Ooh. But uh, uh, Lucas, uh, they'd already named, they, they'd already been preparing for the Wrath of Khan. And then Lucas comes out and, and announced that the third episode of the Star Wars trilogy Revenge was going to be called Jedi. Revenge of the Jedi. And so quickly, Paramount came back and said, well, we need to rename it because it'll look like we're copying Star, uh, Star Wars. So they came up with the Wrath of Khan. And then shortly thereafter, Lucas came out and said, we're going to retitle it Return of the Jedi because revenge is not a Jedi trait. Yeah. So, so anyway, nobody got the name Revenge on that go around. They did later on for Star Wars. But uh, I think Wrath of Khan sounds so much uh, better than Revenge of Khan. I, it's it's just it the Wrath of Khan. It just sounds yeah. so much more personal and I don't know terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because you know, and he was revengeful, but it was really his wrath. It was his know? wrath. Yeah, yeah. And I still get freaked out about that crap that goes in those little things that went into the ears. Oh my gosh, that dude! I, I totally remember watching that. It's one of the movies I can completely remember watching in the theater. Uh, well, and and did, so, who, did so we, the, who did we go with to watch that? I wouldn't even know, Billy. It, I mean, shoot, I would have been like seven. Was it Jason? Six. Was it been, Jason Mitchell? It could have been. I just remember we went and saw it at the Westgate Theater in Beaverton, and we had mm-hmm. to sit basically in the front row. Wow. Yeah, I, I it's. 
burn in my brain that part. That was back when the Westgate was uh, three theaters instead of the five before mm-hmm. it got torn down. Yeah, when it was huge. It was like, ooh, yeah. three theaters in one. Yeah. Yeah. Eat the heck out of the Hillsborough Town Theater. Yeah. And the Westgate held the uh, distinction for having the longest single run of a movie for quite a while because really? Star Wars played there for over a year. You're kidding me. In one theater, they kept one playing it. One theater, they kept playing it. Yeah. Wow. It was like 59 weeks or something like that. That's insane. Yeah. So the uh, well, well, and this is the 40th anniversary of the uh, Wrath of Khan, so that's why they're doing a special. I I don't know if it's considered a Fathom event or just a, a normal event in the theater, but um, uh, it's supposed to be a director's cut, so there's supposed to be additional scenes. Oh, nice, nice. Yes, that, kind, that, kind that, of excited. That is a great, a great. It's the best. It's the best of the Star Trek franchise. Oh, absolutely. You know, I read an article on it once where they said that the first Star War, Star Trek movie, the motion picture. Um, it didn't do very well, and it had an incredibly expensive cost associated with it. Jeffrey Katzenberg was involved, yeah. and they were having troubles, and Katzenberg got it done on time but way over budget. And so when they did Wrath of Khan, uh, they cut the budget back uh, tremendously. So it's got uh, the the budget like in the in the bridge and stuff like that feels very, very um, television. It feels like Star Trek. Yeah, it's very television-oriented at the time. The budgets went up after it. But again, Wrath of Khan isn't about the special effects. It's no. really about the characters. Yeah, it's more personal. And, yeah, and if and even if you've never watched a Star Trek movie in your life, you understand where each one of those characters sits by the end of that film. Yeah. It's beautifully done. Beautiful character development, even though you had, you know, three or four seasons of character development, you know, two decades before. Yeah. So. And, and, and the death of Spock... Mm-hmm. And that was yeah. supposed to be the death of Spock. They were not planning to bring him back. Yeah, huh? he he was done. Yeah, well, and and that was one of the jokes I heard too. Is in the early part, the first scene, Spock gets killed off in the in the simulation, and uh, they thought they were trying to trick the audience in that. Mm-hmm. That that's why uh, Captain Kirk looks at him right after it happens. He goes, "Aren't you supposed to be dead?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> So anyway, well, we got to be moving on, Billy. We can't talk about Star Trek all day in right. our geekdom. Well, so what, what what we got? Well, the purpose of illegal participation is for us to talk Beaver Sports, Tailgate, and anything else we find interesting every week. And uh, we've got no emails. That is just disappointing. It's like I feel like I'm on my hands and knees, but groveling. But I've talked to I've talked to a lot of listeners. Mm-hmm. So and everyone was enjoying the show. Well, that's good. They especially enjoy how uh, awkward you are. Thank you. I know it also comes <laughs> off in my pictures as well. People like when people like, do you have any selfies? I'm like, you know, some people have blue steel. Some people have Magnum. My look is awkward in all my photos. <laughs> That's what I tell them. Well, you know, remember, remember when we were young, when you used to play football in the street, what was your nickname? Uh-huh. I don't remember. Stick. Oh. Because <laughs> Mike McGuire said you look like you ran like you had a stick up your butt. Oh, no. <laughs> Nice. Great. Uh, Great. I just remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Billy. <laughs> All right. Remember, yeah. you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and any other podcatcher you have out. If you want to get in touch with us, HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter, and HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. All right, Beej, you ready to get into some Beaver Sports news? Dude, I am stoked. What do we got today? First up, Beej, women's volleyball. Oh, please tell me, Billy, please, please tell me we got to win. Well, remember, Beach, the uh, 
Beavs went down, I think it was to Houston, to play in the Flo Hyman Collegiate Cup, and they opened up against Alabama. Alabama, yeah. Yeah. So in a match that appeared to have echoes of its season opener. Is there going to be a butt? Oregon State denied Alabama's comeback attempt in a 3-2 to two win. Son of a bitch. Bitch slapped him, didn't they? Yep. Like the season opener, OSU won the first two sets fairly comfortably before allowing the opponent to win the following two. In the fifth set, however, the Beavers found the resolve using a 4-0 run to open up a 9-5 lead and never letting their foot off the gas. So three out of three out of five? Yeah, it's it's first of three. That's a win. Yep. Then Oregon State nearly swept the Floheiman Collegiate Cup, eventually setting for a second win over Central Arkansas, and then a five-set loss to host Houston. The mm. Beavs swept the Sugar Bears from Central Arkansas in the morning before going point for point with the Cougs in the evening. Oregon State was just a few points away from getting the reverse sweep against the hosts, but a late run put Houston over the top. Oregon State is now 2-2 two and two and returns home to host the ASICS Invitational next weekend. The Beavs open the tournament with North Texas at 10 a.m. on Friday. Well, they're breaking even at this point. That's not bad. Yeah, you just like to see them win most of their out-of-conference games. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. All right, Beach, on to women's soccer. And please tell me that we don't end in a freaking tie. The Oregon State women's soccer team brushed off Boise State 2 to nothing to keep its unbeaten streak intact after five matches. Picking up where she left off in the last home outing, McKenna Martinez had another two-score performance to lead the Beavs over the Broncos at Paul Lorenz Field on Thursday. Both of her scores, occurring in a 21-minute stretch, came on unassisted goals. Then on Sunday, Beach, a 76-minute goal by host UC Davis dealt Oregon State its first loss of the season on Sunday by a score of 2-1. to one. Thanks, the, res- Nabbit. the result breaks a five-game unbeaten streak for Oregon State, and now the three one-and-two Beavs will head east for a two-game road set against Virginia and James Madison. Kickoff against the Cavaliers is set for 3 p.m. from Charlottesville on Thursday. All righty. Then on to a little men's soccer. That, that's a little traveling to head all the way over there. Yeah, well, they, you know, they still don't have classes don't start for a couple weeks yet. Mm. All right. Oh, hey, just so you know, I got a text from Kyle. Did you see that? I just saw it come through. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So... Did he pick a song? Does not look like he picked a song. So, Kyle, you were supposed to pick a song. Respond to him? No. Am I going to do a song? Oh, he said, uh, sent, it's freaking 102 here, and I'm out in the sun fixing up my underground speaklers. So, there you go. Everyone gets Uh, an update on Kyle. I hate you, Kyle. All right, Beach. So, do I I need to pick a song then? Yeah, well, we'll go with your choice. Okay, okay. Next up is men's soccer. What do we got going in men's soccer, Billy? Well, Beads, the number 10 ranked Oregon State men's soccer team dominated the possession and the scoring chances. But? Seton Hall was able to take a 1-0 victory Friday evening at Paul Lorenz Field. The Beavs outshot the Pirates 15-6 and had a 12-1 advantage on corner kicks, but a second-half Seton Hall goal against the run of play decided the contest. The Beavs will hit the road for the first time this season next week, well, this week, when they take on UC Santa Barbara on Friday. Okay. Kind of sucks. Yeah. 
Then finally, Beach, we got a little bit of cross country news. But but Bill, but 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 it is soccer. But moving on. The Oregon State cross country team battled the field, course, and warm weather on Thursday to knock off the off season rust at the Lewis and Clark Chase Race. The Beavs totaled four top ten finishes on the three mile course, and as a team, OSU finished second in the eight team field. Zoe Simmons paced Oregon State, placing sixth. Three teammates followed Simmons across the finish line with Emily Foote, Elaine Gola, and Della Delone occupying spots 7, 8, and 9. Gabby Peterson crossed the line in 11th, and Emily Perez rounded out the Beavs in 24th. Okay. We don't talk a lot about cross country. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Beach! What? Oh, do you hear that, Billy? I do! Every time, every time. It's amazing how it's timed at the same time we record the podcast, whether it be a Sunday or a Monday. Crazy. I know. Okay. And it, and it always comes in after I'm done talking about the update about the sports for the week. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, hold, hold on. Billy. Yes, Beach. This just in. Medical officials in Eugene reported a sudden surge in AED usage Saturday afternoon. While there was no known medical reason for the increased use of defibrillators, apparently many were reporting chest pains between the hours of 1 and 4 p.m. While there were no deaths reported, many of the victims have come forward saying their life, quote, no longer has a, they no longer have a reason to live and that life no longer has meaning. Interesting. It is unfortunate so many in Eugene are struggling. But we are glad they will survive to see another Saturday. Here's hoping for another perfect Saturday. And this has been your Heinrich Tailgater update from Eugene. Yes, I. You know what? I, that was a perfect Saturday. There, there are two. There, there are two things. Only, only, only thing. Only one. One thing could have topped it, and that would have been a bitch tits tits Kelly would have lost. Yeah. But. Uh, Yep. Yeah, but you know that that's that's just like that's like adding sprinkles to the to that to that perfect uh, perfect ice cream. You yep. know, we don't always need sprinkles, but they're nice. Yep. Well, yeah, people know that in our in our in the Heinrich household, there is which thing is a perfect Saturday in the fall, and it consists of two things, and we will talk both of those after we go under further review in the Pac-12 for week number one. After further review, the runner did. Cross the line. So exciting. I know. All right, Beach. So I've got all our picks here. We all so started, do I. We all started out 0-0. Zero, zero. All right. First up, we have uh, Thursday, September 1st. We've got to kind of rifle through these because there's, you know, like 12 games to go through. Northern gotcha. Arizona at Arizona. And uh, you and oh, I picked. Me. I said Northern Arizona, Arizona State. At Arizona State, correct. Yeah, you and I picked uh, Arizona State, while Kyle, I hate you, Kyle, uh, picked uh, Northern Arizona. Well, Beach, Arizona State's Emory Jones impressed in his first game as a Sun Devil, going 13 for 18 for 152 yards on his attempts in the game. He also ran for 48 yards and two TDs on 11 attempts. Now, the transfer from Florida showed poise in the pocket and a lot of athleticism for for Arizona State, albeit against Northern Arizona. With Arizona State. Beating the Lumberjacks 40-30. to The defense for ASU really delivered against Northern Arizona, holding the Lumberjacks to just 120 yards and just 23 yards rushing in the game. NAU had 97 yards passing the game with two interceptions. See, that's how it works, Beach. 
you know, I feel like you're just going to censor everything I say out. I mean, I bet you this, when it's all said and done, I haven't listened to our podcast in a while, but I bet you I'm not even in it anymore, am I? You're just taking me completely out. Uh, I do the editing, so, you know, that's how it works. All right, Beach. just one guy. All right, Beach, up next, uh, Friday, September 2nd, we had TCU at Colorado. And we all picked TCU to beat the hell out of Colorado. How'd that work out, Billy? Well, Beads, Darius Davis scored on a 60-yard punt return and a 27-yard reverse to help TCU open the Sunny Dykes era with a 38-13 win over Colorado on Friday night. Now, the Buffaloes entered the game on their home turf as a 13-and-a-half-point underdog. Colorado head coach Carl Durrell went with incumbent quarterback Brendan Lewis over J.T. Shrout, the Tennessee transfer who missed all of last season after hurting his knee in Colorado's camp. Now, Shrout got into the game late in the first half, and his inaugural pass for the Buffaloes went for 35 yards. Lewis, on the other hand, was back to start the second half before Shrout was inserted in the final quarter and threw a 23-yard TD pass to Jordan Tyson with 113 remaining. So they didn't get much going. No. The the Sunny Dykes era sounds like... Uh... Sounds like a warm day in New Orleans. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, pretty much. So it's interesting that Sonny Dykes actually uh, was a head coach at Cal for a while. Really? How long ago was that? Oh, geez. Let me look it up here. Um, And then you got Carl Durrell, who was the head coach at Colorado, who was the head coach at uh, UCLA a number of years ago. So Sonny Dykes was at Cal from 2013 to 2016. Hmm. So, yeah, they, they fired him. Yeah, they got rid of him. Um, mm. But I, I'm just I just don't think Carl Durrell's a great head coach. How long is he? Is this his first year or second year? Or how many? I think this is his second. OK, didn't they struggle last year? Wasn't Colorado kind of the. Yeah, but they beat the bees. Oh, but that was there. Um, Carl Durrell has been there since. Well, it seems to me like we're seeing we're. To me, it seems like we're things might be changing in the Pac-12 this year. So yeah, this is the, yeah, well, as far he was as who's, he was there dominating, who's not? Yeah, he was there 2020, so that's three years. This is his third year. Okay. So he Cruz was in there and turning it around. Yeah, he was the head coach at UCLA from 2003 to 2007. So hmm. all right, so we all got the win there. Up next, all the rest of these games are on Sunday, September 3rd. We had Bowling Green at UCLA. And I picked Bowling Green because I hate bitch tits, and you guys like to suck on those big hairy nipples of his, apparently. <laughs> UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson bounced back from a roller coaster start and accounted for 385 yards of total offense and four scores as UCLA rallied for a 45 to 17 victory over Bowling Green Saturday. Zach Charbonneau ran for 111 yards and a TD for the Bruins, who trailed 17 to seven early in the second quarter before scoring 38 straight points to win their opener for the second straight year. You hairy, nipple-sucking bastard. <laughs> All right, Beach. And next up, we have the first plank in our perfect weekend, Oregon mm-hmm. at Georgia. We all picked Georgia to just maybe slightly beat Oregon, just edge them out. Just just a little bit over, a few points over their score. How'd that work out for us, Billy? Well, Beach, Georgia quarterback, who's probably Hall of Fame in the name category, Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett 
and the Georgia defense picked up where they left off in last year's national championship game, even with 15 of their former teammates drafted into the NFL. Bennett threw for 368 yards and accounted for three touchdowns, and a revamped defense didn't miss a beat, and the number three Bulldogs looked very much like a champion intent on repeating with a 49-3 route of number 11 Oregon on Saturday. Now, Auburn transfer quarterback Bo Nix for Oregon, who was 0-3 against Georgia at his old team, was 21 of 31 for 173 yards and two interceptions in his first game with the Ducks. Mm. Yep. And, you know, what was really interesting was I heard a lot touted about Oregon's defensive line and linebackers, mm-hmm. and, and they just got trounced. Uh, uh, Georgia just ran through them. They're, uh, they're the Ducks' new coach. What's his name? Lanning. Dan Lanning. He just looked like fearful, lost, confused at the end of the game when they were shooting, when they were, they were hitting him with camera, you're just going, I, I couldn't tell if he was, if he was one to run away, if he's one to cry, well, but uh, he looked miserable. Well, you know, let's see, where is he coached at? We're going to look, see where he's, first of all, he's relatively young. Now, now are all of his support coaching, his staff, did he take his, his staff with him? From from Georgia, he took a few, but not not all of them. But okay, but he took a couple of guys. But I mean, the guy's only thirty six, and just trying to look here, you know, he's been at Georgia since twenty eighteen, so he's been on some pretty successful teams. And I don't think he thought he was going to get run through like that. Mm-hmm. And I, like I said, I thought they had been pretty. That defensive, at least that defensive front seven, had been talked up pretty well. So it'll be interesting to see how that team responds. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be an interesting, like I said, I feel like we're seeing a lot of, um, and, and again, hard to say in the first game of the season, but uh, I don't know. I think the PAC 12 could be a lot different than what uh, the forecaster think. Well, the other thing you got to remember too, is there is no more North and South. So how is that working out? Are we, are we going to have a pack? Oh, the Pac-12 championship is played by the two best teams. The two top teams. So no yeah. more North and South. So, you know, if it's if it's Washington and Stanford, then that's who goes to the Pac-12 championship. Mm-hmm. Still kind of organized into a North and South, but it's still no. the best teams go. No? There's no North and South. No, no, but I'm talking about who we play. How the how the well games the, the 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 way yeah the way the schedule set up is the way the schedule set up. Yeah, okay, correct. Is that going to change over the is that going to change over the next few years? Um, are they going to go back to I, just I, kind of a hodgepodge and you just won't play a couple of games? I or don't. Will Oregon and and Washington teams always play each other. I believe the way the schedule set up is the way it's set up because it's only for another couple of years, mm-hmm. and then they got to deal with USC and UCLA leaving. So gotcha. All right, Beach, up next. So we all got the win there with Uga. Next mm-hmm. up, we had Arizona at San Diego State. I uh, I was a holdout and picked Arizona. Well, you and Kyle seem to love uh, San Diego State, like like they're going to join the Pac-12 soon. Well, Beach, Arizona quarterback Jaden Delora, who was a transfer from Washington State last year, threw four TD passes, three to fellow transfer Jacob Cowing, and Arizona beat San Diego State 38-20 to on a sizzling Saturday to spoil the debut of Snapdragon Stadium. That's the new San Diego State Stadium. They just built a brand-new stadium 
beside their old one. Oh. Arizona avenged a 38-14 loss to San Diego State in its home opener last year during a 1-11 season. Now, Delora, who transferred from Washington State, completed 20 of 35 passes for 299 yards. He was intercepted once. Now, Jacob Cowing, a transfer from UTEP, had eight catches for 152 yards. So there you go. So you won there? Yeah, cool. Kyle and I took the loss. The, uh, any reason why they both bailed from Washington State? You know, Has there been an exodus from Washington State, or, or did they just see their playing well, time get diminished? Delora, you got to remember, the the coach got fired. Was that last year? When was he fired? Was that part with the season last year? Anyways. I, I think so. I think so. Yeah. So when you have that kind of stuff happen, you know, and, and guys can transfer, especially they can transfer in – in the same league, you know, in the same conference and still have immediate eligibility. So we get these kind of situations, you know, and don't get me wrong. Oregon state's got a Penn state transfer. I think a Florida transfer. So you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Yeah. So it affects everybody. Yep. All right. So there was up next up. We had UC Davis at Cal. UC Davis at Cal. Kyle stood alone here with UC Davis, and you and I picked uh, picked the Bears. Well, Beach, Jack Plummer threw three touchdown passes in his debut for Cal, and Craig Woodson returned an interception for a score to lead Cal to a 34-13 victory over UC Davis on Saturday. Plummer finished 25 for 35 for 268 yards. Hmm. All right, so we took the win there. Next up. Rice at USC. And I I went out on a limb on this one and picked Rice. I like Rice. And, uh, you know, goes good with teriyaki. Anyway, um, and you guys picked USC. Yes, Beach. Southern California scored on every one of its possessions in the first three quarters. The Trojans defense also took three interceptions to the house. But? And a stadium filled with wind-starved fans went increasingly wild for each and every score. Caleb Williams passed for 249 yards, rushed for 68 more, and hit Addison for two touchdowns in number 14 USC 66 to 14 victory over Rice on Saturday. 66 to 14. Correct. But yet that wasn't the biggest route in the Pac-12, though, was it? Well, I mean, it depends on how you look at it. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I would say Kate. Uh, I would. I would put the Oregon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Oregon couldn't even get in the end zone. The the the, the I know the Ducks scored less than you usually do. Um, I know. <laughs> right. Oregon State scored more points in uh, in the first quarter than uh, Oregon scored in the whole game. Well, uh, all right. So Kyle and I pick up the wins there. Next up, Utah at Florida. Utah at Florida. You and Kyle picked the Utes. Well, I uh, picked the uh, the team from the uh, Sunshine State. So how how'd that turn out? Well, Beach, Anson, Anthony Richardson ran for three scores in his second career start, including a two-yard scamper with a minute 25 remaining, and Florida upset seventh-ranked Utah 29-26 on Saturday night. Utah quarterback Cam Rising moved the Utes into position to steal one on the road for a team that ended the season with its highest preseason ranking in school history. But he ended it with an interception in the end zone. He finished 22 of 32 for 216 yards, a TD, and 91 yards on the ground. 
Wow. So it came up just short. So you picked up the win there. Next up, Colgate at Stanford. We it was a uh, it was uh, unanimous. We all picked uh, Stanford for this one. Will Beach. How, 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 how did the Cardinal do? Quarterback Tanner McKee threw two touchdown passes to Michael Wilson, and Stanford routed FCS Colgate forty-one to ten on Saturday night. EJ Smith. The son of former Dallas Cowboys star Emmett Smith had career best with 118 yards rushing and five catches while running for two TDs to help the Cardinals snap a seven-game losing streak that dated back to last season. Hmm. Well, that's good for good for uh, Stanford. Yep. Hopefully, get a good start to their season. Yep. And game ten. Next up, Idaho at Washington State. We all picked uh, the Cougs on this one. Correct. Washington State transfer quarterback Cameron Ward threw for 215 yards and three TDs Saturday as Washington State beat scrappy Idaho 24-17 in a season opener to win its 10th consecutive game in a long-running series between the two schools whose campuses are located just eight miles apart. Now Ward wow. Can, yeah. Well, you know, if you just – Washington State's campus is literally right on the border. Mm-hmm. Right. And you go just across the border and you're in uh, Moscow and that's where Idaho is. It used to be the closest McDonald's. Okay. Correct. Now Ward <laughs> completed 25 of 40 passes for Washington state, a PAC 12 team, which leads the battle of the Palouse 72 to 17 to three. That's what they call the, the series between those two. Okay. But the Cougars had trouble putting away Idaho, an FCS team from the Big Sky Conference. It was not until Ward threw a touchdown pass to Jalen Jenkins with 10.33 left in the fourth quarter, putting Washington State up 24-10, to that the Cougs appeared to take control. Would they be, not to change the subject here, would they be potential for entering into the, the Pac-12? Idaho, no. They are uh, FCS, so they're down a division. They play like uh, Portland State. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, they, they used to be Division One, but they, they moved down. Hmm. Okay. So, all right, Beach, next up, Kent State at Washington. Uh, Kent State at Washington. Again, we all picked the Huskies. Michael Penix Jr. threw for 345 yards and four TDs, and Washington opened the Kalen DeBoer area with a 45-20 win over Kent State in a season opener on Saturday. DeBoer's debut as Washington's head coach was highlighted by an entertaining, innovative offense that Penix, also making his Huskies debut, ran flawlessly against the overmatched Golden Flashes. Penix led Washington on scoring drives on all five first-half possessions and touchdowns on the first four, as the Huskies built a 31-13 halftime lead and then cruised. Hmm. So, new coach. New quarterback. Yeah. So we all took the win there. So, Beach, after week one, Kyle, I hate you, Kyle, is at seven out of 11. You and I are at nine out of 11. Nine out of 11 isn't bad. No, it's pretty good. Pretty good. But yeah. we're, we're also not picking against the spread. We're just picking straight up. Yeah. Yeah. So. But, you know, any, any given Saturday, you know. Yep. Yep. All right, Beach. And... In our final game of the weekend, the one that made it a perfect weekend, Boise State at Oregon State. It's a great game, Billy. It was a great game. So, or I don't know what you're clicking, but please stop. 
Okay. <laughs> Oregon State quarterback Chance Nolan passed for two TDs, and Oregon State's defense forced five turnovers in a season-opening 34-17 victory over Boise State on Saturday. Oregon State snapped its six-game losing streak in season openers. Now, Beach, that dated back to Gary Anderson's very first game as a head coach for Oregon State where they beat Weber State and went on to mm-hmm. go 1-11 that season. But he never one won and another. 11. That, yep. That was a great season. Yep. He never opened up another. He never won another uh, season opener. And Jonathan Smith, up until this year, hadn't won a season opener. So the Beavs opened the scoring on tight end Luke Musgrave's 27-yard touchdown catch, which followed Hank Bachmeyer's second interception of the first quarter. Now, after a three and out by Boise State, Chance Nolan hit Tyjon Lindsay for a 47-yard touchdown, giving OSU a 14-0 lead at 1.15 left in the first quarter. Now, early in the second quarter, Riley Sharp's sack of Bachmeyer forced a fumble that Jack Coletto recovered at the Broncos' six-yard line. Boise State's defense held, and Everett Hayes had to kick a 23-yard field goal to make it 17-0 Beavs. Now, the Broncos pulled starter Hank Bachmeyer for Taylor Green, who produced a spark, including a 74-yard TD run late in the third quarter. Now, with the Bees' offense in neutral, short yardage specialist and all-around jackhammer Jack Coletto broke loose up the middle on a third-and-two play for a 41-yard touchdown with 10-39 remaining to provide the final margin of victory. So, yeah, Beach, it was a great game. You know, um, five turnovers, excellent. And a lot mm-hmm. of those were plays that the Beavs made. You know, great hits to strip the ball, great plays on the ball to make interceptions. They, I thought that they was were, great. they were, you, you feel like they were, they were playing the ball, not the man. Yeah, no, they, they play great. And, you know, so, so, I was going to say, I love seeing that defense because they were attacking all the time. I, Austin was just looking awesome. I, I'm, I'm just excited to see him every, uh, yeah. out there, every defensive play. He was just playing fantastic. And you were saying he got injured last year? Yeah, he was injured towards the end of the year. Yeah, no, like I said, the the Beavs just looked better. They looked more aggressive on defense, and mm-hmm. it was great. Now, um, they do have to work on that containment of the quarterback because that Talon Green had that huge run. But other mm-hmm. than that, they, they shut down that, that offense pretty well. Now, the Beavs had three turnovers over their own. Um, one of those was completely on Chance Nolan, who – just needs to learn to chuck the ball out of bounds. If you're going to chuck it out of bounds, chuck it five rows deep into the stands. You know, yeah. that was just sloppy. That was sloppy and stupid. Um, other than that, you know, the one, his other interception bounced off the receiver's hands. That one's on the receiver. And they had a fumble. Mm-hmm. They had a fumble where I think it was Martinez didn't wrap the ball up. But, you know, he's a true freshman. He's got to learn to, yeah. to do that. But well, I, we, we also got lucky on that one where uh, it was considered a forward pass. Yeah. But I, I think it was also sloppy ball handling on that, that one. That was, yeah. You, you got to secure the ball. You got to secure the ball. So, but no, um, all around great game. Um, I thought the stadium looked really good. I think people getting to sit on the, uh, the side that's left. And look over mm-hmm. at what they're doing to the other side. I think it's going to be impressive looking when it's done. It's going to look like a full. Oh, I st- think it'll look like a full stadium. I think so too. Other than it just feels awkward after twenty some odd years of sitting on the one side. 
suddenly sitting on the other side. 31 just, years, Beach. Jeez. I mean, you know, at least we got seat backs, but it's still just weird. Yeah, the is. other thing, too, is I know it's pissing dad off is, you know, before we took up a, a whole row. And so we never had to worry about people walking in front of us because we were in the middle of the section. Yeah. And now we're on the on a on a short section that only has one in and out. So everybody has to walk by you if they need to go get food or use the restroom or something. You're, and uh, that well, was getting annoying. Well, and what's annoying is when we're there, we don't really get up and leave. No, no. You take care of that business when you when we're, you should. We're there to watch the football game, I know. And you realize how many well, other people get up and gone and this and that. Yeah. I'm there to watch the game. Well, the other thing. Yeah, the other thing that irritates me just in general, uh, you, you know, standards that you should have when you're watching a game. If you do need to get up and go to the restroom, you go, between go plays. not when a play is going on, but go between plays. If you are going into the row after you've left, you walk in after the play. I, I, You've probably seen me, Billy, when we were on the old side, is if I did have to leave and I had to come back and a play was going on, I would kneel on the step. Yeah. Until the play's over, because I'm like, I don't want to block somebody from watching the game, and I'm and I'm not going to interrupt them while the play's going on. Yeah. So I don't want to stand up and block view, and I don't want to uh, go into the line while the play's going on. And I I just think that is a common courtesy. I wish more people would do it. Yeah. So I'd like to think it was a trend I started, and people would carry it on, but Anyways. it hasn't, hasn't caught on yet. But uh, what do you think of that new scoreboard? It freaking thing is better quality than my television. Yeah, it is huge, and it said, is Billy. and it is so sharp and crisp. It's amazing. Yeah, that's what she said. And the resolution is just incredible. And I just love how they've got it. They can divide it up, and it's you're getting stats up there all the time, and mm-hmm. then you're getting full size replays. And I I just thought it was great. I just thought, no, it was, and well, we and we got great. up there on it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It that took us awesome. it took us thirty years to get on the other one, you know, when we were on the other side. Yeah. First game oh. on the on this side, like first time out, we were on TV. Might might have had some friends in that one. I'm not sure. Probably did. Yeah. <laughs> Probably did. So. But but um, well, and now we're low enough. We might be able to get a T-shirt. I know, I know. So. We gotta try to egg those uh, <laughs> egg those cheerleaders to to use those biceps and get them up to us. Exactly. We're we're not we're not out of the realm. I mean, before we were really out of the realm unless they had some kind of bazooka to launch it up there. Exactly. So Someone maybe we'll get a free shirt. Teeth. But anyways, uh, but great, the, great. The, oh, I was gonna say, but the ten dollars shirts at the uh, student store weren't bad. Oh yeah, on oh Saturday. no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bought one of those myself. Um, no, like I said, I thought the great game was great. Still got some things to work on. Um, Boise State did a good job of really limiting Oregon State's uh, running game. Um, that mm-hmm. said, that was something that they had worked on all season. Boise State did. And they were going to line up really? To, to really stop that run. Yeah, and that's what they were committing to doing. Um, and, you know, the Beavs actually probably could have run away with it even faster if the receivers drop, I mean, they, they dropped two passes that were probably touchdowns, mm-hmm. you know, where they hit the guys yeah. in the hands and they just couldn't bring it in. So, mm-hmm. but no, great game, great first win, great first week. And uh, now it's time to get ready for uh, Fresno State and a perfect weekend for us. Oregon State won, the damn Ducks lost. Yep. 
All right, Beach. Well, same with that. We're going to move on to the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the Week Award. Every week, we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And this one, Beach. Well, I don't know exactly who to give it to. So we're giving it to a phantom person or persons. Hmm. You, pro- you probably okay. you probably didn't hear about this, but I did not hear about this because well, I'm a little confused. Yep. Well, about last week, Beach Virginia Tech made a trip to Old Dominion on Friday, and that trip just kept getting worse and worse. So okay. First of all, the, the trip was kind of a comedy of errors. Um, Old Dominion took a 10 to seven lead in the, into the halftime and Virginia Tech's coaches were delayed in returning for the second half after being trapped in a malfunctioning elevator. You're kidding me. Nope. Then when the game resumed, the Hokies performed better, mounting a comeback to take a 17 to 13 lead into the final three minutes of action. But Hokies quarterback Grant Wells tossed his third interception of the day with 258 remaining and the Monarchs marched 59 yards for the go-ahead touchdown. So not only did they lose to a lesser team, but Beach, when the Hokies returned to their visiting locker room, they found mm-hmm. that a bunch of stuff had been stolen from their lockers during the game. You're kidding me. Former Virginia Tech player Eric Kumo tweeted a reference to the theft shortly after midnight Saturday morning. And the school responded Sunday saying police were investigating the matter. What was stolen? Just a bunch of stuff out of players' lockers. Like wallets or, or yep. iPad, phones or what? Yep. Yep. Really? Yep. And Beach, this just... How, how is that not secured? That's one thing, right? How is their locker room not secured? How do they not just have a, a security guard stand? They're not letting anyone in. Yeah, I mean that that's that's blatant right. I mean, cuz all your stuff is in there. You are an opposing team. You do have stupid drunk bastards that'll do stupid stuff. Yeah. And and yeah. if there's if there's not locks on the doors, then there should be somebody standing out there just watching out. Yeah. And and really Beach, this just goes to just a problem we're having in this country right now with just a complete lack for other people's property and just common oh. decency. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's we see it everywhere. We see it from people walking into oh. CVS pharmacies and just loading up a duffel bag and walking out the door to flash mobs, uh, flash mobs, robbing Macy's or even a 7-Eleven. I don't know if you saw that one a couple weeks ago. Down oh, in yeah, LA. I saw this. Yeah, I did it. Yeah. And it's just I don't know what the hell's wrong with people in this country. But we need to fix it and fix it quick. Yeah, there's there's no there's no punishments anymore. No, I mean that's that's a problem. There's no there's no penalty for doing wrong. You get your hand slapped and they let you back out. You know, so much so that now not only are these people doing wrong, you know, it, it, they're not even being arrested. They were being arrested and they're being let go free. Now they're not even being arrested because the cops are saying, well, there's nothing we can do about it because even if we arrest them, they're just gonna go back out the next day. Yeah, and it's pointless. Back to our original. So anyone under the uh who decided to make off with Virginia Tech stuff during the Old Dominion game, you get this week's... (laughs) 
jackass of the week. Do, do, do you think that the the elevator had issues, or do you think somebody intentionally trapped him in there? I don't know. I I, I would I don't want to think someone intentionally trapped him in there. I bet it was just a. It's yeah. just off, awfully weird, you know. Yeah. I don't hear of elevators failing that often. No, so. getting stuck. The other, the other, I, I kind of had a dilemma here because I was thinking about possibly giving it to UCLA only because I want to one, I want to beat the crap out of UCLA and USC whenever we can this mm-hmm. season. Yeah. And two, did you see how many fans were at that game at the Rose Bowl on Saturday? No. So that seats, I don't know what. 104, 106,000. How many seats mm-hmm. does it does it seat? Do you know? I have no idea. So Rose Bowl oh. seating capacity is okay. Ninety thousand. Sorry, ninety thousand. And you know how many people they had? Okay. Do you know how many tickets they sold? How many? Twenty-seven thousand one hundred and forty-three. Holy crap! Right. Now that's not how many showed up. That's how many tickets they sold. And that beat the last low record, which was 32,513, which is a November 7th, 1992 game against Oregon State. When the, is the, it because it was a holiday weekend? I, okay. So, oh, sure. It's holiday weekend and it's hot outside. Okay. You're in a uh-huh. town of how many millions of people? Yeah. How many millions? An yeah. And you need 90,000. You know what it was? Well, students weren't there. Okay. Really? You're still in a town of 90,000. We had almost as many fans at the Oregon State game. We probably had more fans at the Oregon State game than they than they had for tickets sold in L.A. And all I got to say is good luck with the Big Ten because you know how many of your games are going to be they, in the middle of the afternoon in the, in the heat? They weren't, allowed to ch- they weren't allowed to charge their cars. Yeah, probably. That could, they that were could stuck be. at that home. They were stuck at home. Actually, that's probably they true. They were told, do not charge your cars over the weekend. That's probably true. So I'm, I'm looking here. It says all seven California FBS teams opened week one at home. Here's how the, the announced attendance ranked. USC, 60,113. Fresno State, 36,011. Cal, 34,984. San Diego State, 34,046. UCLA twenty seven one forty three. Does that match your number, Billy? Yep. Okay. Stanford twenty six eight twenty six. San Jose State sixteen two ninety one. Wow, that's brutal. So that's brutal. Anyways, so Fresno State Fresno State brought in a, a third more people. Yeah. Than uh, UCLA did. Yeah, I just like I said, I just think that's ridiculous. So I was gonna give it to them, but I decided to go with the thieving bastards. Yeah, no, that's no, it's that that stealing crap is just bullshit. Yeah, I, I hate theme bastards. All right, Beach, it is now time for our musical interlude of the week. Kyle was supposed to pick, but he did not, and he's fixing his sprinklers. So, Beach, you are up. Okay, so I I I didn't do a lot of research. I actually picked this one here uh, uh, last week in case I had to do one, but I wasn't fully ready. So since we're kind of doing an audible on this, I'm going to kind of fake it. So, um, this one. Uh, so this might come as a shock to many people, but Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Not only a fantastic song, uh, it is one of the most inventive of all time. 
uh, Hidden Beneath the Opulent Production is a piece of music that would have deemed worthy of a Nobel Prize if it came sporting uh, some gingham effrontery, which in some ways would have been more fitting as it is essential as close to an old folk diatribe of history as they come. Um, so I don't know if you remember this song. Uh, it came out in – God, I'm not sure what year this thing came out. Sorry, I'm not more prepared. 1990. Um, 1990. Um, and it started out from what I heard – that um, he was talking, Billy Joel was talking to somebody, and it was a younger person, and they claimed that, you know, you just don't have to go through all the problems that we have today. You know, there's so much more issues going on in society than than what there was in the past when you were growing up as a kid. Sorry, it came out in, 80, it, it came out in 89. 89? Okay. Yeah, I, I, and, I knew it was during my junior year of high school, but yeah, it was 89. Gotcha. And it was, um, and he started thinking about, uh, you know, from his birth. And I think when was Billy Joel born? 46? Um, I believe so. I think he's a couple years older than dad. Yeah, I think so too. So anyway, so he started putting a list of all the stuff together. Oh, 49. What... He's a year younger than dad. Oh, for... Okay, 49. So he started putting a list together of all the stuff that happened during his lifetime up until that point in, in 89 and put it in a song. And it's actually really impressive what he references. And if you don't mind me, Bill, it's a, take a little bit, but I'll, I'll run through it real quick. Cause there's a lot of stuff on there that you hear, but you might not know the history behind it. Okay. So he starts out in 1948 and he says, Harry Truman says the song begins with a reference to Harry Truman winning the U S presidential election following the death of FDR. Uh, Doris day made her film debut, uh, debut with romance on the high seas, launching her to stardom and making her a feminist trailblazer. Uh, so that was 48. Then we moved to 49 where he says, red China, so the Communist Party of China is victorious in the Chinese Civil War, establishing the Red China regime and the formation of the People's Republic of China. Also, essentially created Taiwan at that time because the losers all Shanghai, failed to Taiwan. Shanghai Czech, Czech, yeah, went to Taiwan. Yeah, Shanghai Czech's group, yeah. So we got Red China, Johnny Ray. Uh, Johnny Ray, rock and roll luminary Johnny Ray signs to Oka Records and revolutionizes pop culture. Uh, South Pacific, the music South Pacific opens on Broadway and soon becomes one of the biggest of all time. Walter uh, Winchell, journalist, uh, makes a public decree denouncing communism as the biggest threat to America. And then Joe DiMaggio, the baseball star uh, who changed the world uh, professional sport by signing a record-breaking contract of $100,000 with the New York Yankees. So that was 49. Now we're on to 50. Joe McCarthy, U.S. senator, uh, makes Lincoln Day speech launching an anti-communist crusade. Richard Nixon, the future president Richard Nixon, is elected to the U.S. Senate. Studebaker, the automobile company, television, uh, said television ownership uh, encroaches on 10% uh, for the first time by the close of the decade. 85.9% of American households will own one. So from 50 to 60, went from 10% to 85%. Uh, North Korea invades South Korea and the Korean War ensues. South Korea, part of that whole thing. Marilyn Monroe, I think pretty obvious there. Now on to 51, Rosenberg's. Uh, American couple Ethel and Julius Rosenberg are convicted of espionage on part of the Soviet Union. Uh, both will be put to death by electrocution for treason. Uh, H-bomb, uh, the U.S. begins developing the H-bomb. Sugar Ray, uh, Sugar Ray Robinson defeats Jake LaMotta in one of the greatest boxing bouts in history. Uh, that will go down as the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Uh, uh, Panmajon. A small village, uh, Panmajon, on the Korean border becomes the location of a truce in Korea. Uh, Brando, referencing Marlon Brando, uh, he got the best uh, actor for A Streetcar Named Desire. Uh, and The King and I, famed King and I musical opens on Broadway. And Catcher in the Rye, 
the uh, the book was released that year. Uh, also referencing that uh, was later cited uh, as a factor in the murdering of John Lennon. Uh, 1952, Eisenhower, pretty self-explanatory. Vaccine was Jonas Salk's vaccine for polio. Uh, England's got a new queen. Princess Elizabeth uh, goes to the throne. Uh, Marciano uh, claims the world heavyweight tramp, uh, crown. Liberace, uh, people know who Liberace was. Uh, Santayana, Santayana goodbye. Uh, writer and Renaissance man George Santayana dies. Um, then we're on to 53, Joseph Stalin, uh, again, leader of the Soviet Union. Uh, actually, what Joseph Stalin, Soviet Union bastard Joseph Stalin descends to hell is what the is what the thing I'm reading here says. Uh, Melenkov uh, briefly succeeded Stalin, but then he also I think died. Uh, Stalin for too much a six month period. I'm not sure what happened to Melenkov. Uh, uh, Nasser becomes the um, uh, leader of Egypt. Uh, Prokofiev, uh, Russian composer behind Peter and the Wolf dies. Uh, Rockefeller. Um, uh, had a divorce. Uh, Campanella, Brooklyn Dodgers catcher Roy, Roy Campanella is awarded MP, uh, MP, MVP for the second time, and the communist bloc as that starts developing uh, with East Germany. Um, did you know all these things, Billy? I know a lot of them. Okay. Roy Kahn leaves partnership with Joe McCarthy. Uh, Juan Perón rises dominance in Argentina prior to the coup. Uh, Ar Arturo Toscanini. Uh, become a famous composer. Uh, Dacron, scientist, pioneer artificial fiber technology um, with uh, Dacron. Yeah, it's like clothing. Okay. Uh, Dien Bien Phu Falls. Uh, the Viet Minh capture the French encampment of Dien Bien Phu, causing the division of Vietnam. Uh, Rock Around the Clock, Billy Haley in the comments uh, in their song. That was just freaking 1953, 54. Uh, now we're on to 55. We got Albert Einstein, James Dean. Brooklyn wins the the uh, World Series. Davy Crockett from the Disney television show. Uh, Peter Pan is broadcast live and in color on NBC. Elvis Presley uh, signs with RCA Records. Disneyland opened uh, its theme park. 1956, uh, Bridget Bardot makes her breakthrough in And God Created Woman. Uh, Budapest, the Hungarian capital, becomes the epicenter of the revolution. Uh, Alabama, the Montgomery boy bus boycott, uh, pivotal in the civil rights movement. Uh, Khrushchev uh, uh, takes over, um, uh, actually delivers secret speech, ridiculing the Soviet Stalinist cult of personality. Uh, Princess Grace, uh, Peyton Place, uh, a book, and then uh, Trouble in the Suez, which is uh, Egypt nationalizes the Suez Canal. 57, Little Rock, which was the site of uh, the all-white high school that was doing uh, forced uh, uh, integration. Uh, Pasternak uh, was a uh, Russian uh, uh, author. Uh, Mickey Mantle of the Yankees fame. Uh, Kurok pioneers the movement, beat, uh, pioneers the beat movement with the hugely influential novel On the Road. Uh, Sputnik, the uh, Soviet satellite. Uh, Chu Wenlei, the premier People's Republic of China, is a, uh, survives an assassination attempt. Bridge over the River Kwai, great movie, by the way. Um, oh, dang, this is long. I don't know if I want to go into many more of this. I know. When you start doing yeah. this, I'm like, beach. This it's it's crazy. So, yeah, so you can – I'm going to stop it there. But if you get bored, take a look. I mean, it, it is just a phenomenal what he was able to do with little pieces to essentially define almost every year. Uh, he goes through the, – the one point, though, he does make one mess up. Um, what does he talk? I think he goes backwards for one year. 
Um, oh yeah. And I, yeah. There's one year he actually, he, he drops back. Um, but for the most part, you can't complain. He does a very, very good job. So, and it makes you realize that we always live in interesting times, mm-hmm. you know, um, in, and really, but when you think about it overall in our, you know, we're seeing a lot of change in our culture right now, which I don't necessarily agree with, uh, and in the nation, but for the last 50, 60, 70 years, we've been relatively stable, you know, mm-hmm. when you think about it, I mean, uh, our, our, our nation has, has gone through transfers of, of presidents and, and changes in powers in the Senate and the house and, and, uh, states and stuff. And while I, I think a lot of our freedoms have been eroding over time, we still have been relatively stable compared to many, many countries around this, around the world, you know? We haven't gone to a civil war yet, so that's pretty good. True. Yeah. He's heavy on the term yet. Yep. <laughs> All right. With that, here is We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel.
That was a great song. And, and I remember it coming out when I was a junior because we talked about a lot of those events. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if for at the time for someone that was into taking a history class, it was great because it went over so much stuff and things change, right? People say, mm-hmm. you know, every time has challenging times. Yeah. You know, well, well you, you know, one of the last uh, lines that he uses is China's under martial law after the Tiananmen Square uh, Correct. issue. You know, hard to think about this, but that's 30, what, 33, 34 years old yep. now. Yep. Um, it, it's it's crazy. I was listening to uh, KGON the other day uh, on my way home, and there, if you guys don't, whoever I'm talking to out there in this, you know, the three of you, uh, <laughs> KGON is Portland's classic rock, and they're playing Green Day. And I'm like, I had enough hard time when KGON started playing Motley Crue yeah. and, and, and like 80s rock. And I'm like, Green Day. That was like 1994. Yeah. What the hell? It was like 1992, <laughs> 93. What was it? Okay, well, I, yeah. I didn't listen. I didn't hear them until like 94. Because yeah. uh, I remember the first time I heard Green Day, I was down in Florida. And, uh, and so just like, <laughs> what the hell's happened to the time? Yeah, I know. So... All right, Beach. it is now time to look at week number two in the Pac-12. We got a boatload of games, so we need to get moving here. Got Kyle's picks. First up, Southern Utah at Utah. Hold on. Got to prepare myself here. Well, Kyle says Utes. Aren't they both Utes? No, Southern Utah is not the Utes. Oh, what are they? I don't know. Um, I want to say there's like, a, oh, I want to say Golden Eagles, but that's freaking Southern Miss. Uh, the Thunderbirds. Golden Eagles, Thunderbirds. I can see. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to join Kyle and I'm going to pick the Utes as well. All right, too. I'm taking Utah up next beach, Washington state at number 18, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Um, I'm going to take Wisconsin on that one because I just don't think Wazoo's got it. I don't either. I will take Wisconsin. Up next, Colorado well, at... What did Kyle, Kyle pick? Wisconsin. Okay. Up next, Colorado at Air Force. Colorado at Air Force. Air Force. Kyle says 
Oh, with Wisconsin, Kyle said, though I prefer Cougar Gold cheese. I do like cheese. Yes. Wisconsin's got good cheese, but Cougar Gold is better. I will agree. Absolutely. I think Northwest cheese is better than anything they got in the Midwest. I agree. So Kyle says, my buddy who teaches at the academy was here this weekend. Uh, part of my late reply, Air Force. Oh, okay. So that's why he's replying late. Air Force. Okay, I too am taking Air Force. Next up, UNLV at Cal. Uh, since it's at home, I'm going to take Cal. Okay. Um, Kyle says, UNLV surprises Cal. I'm going to take Cal only because I like their, I think their defense. Mm-hmm. Okay, next up, Portland State at Washington. Really? Mm-hmm. Washington getting that desperate? It's um, got a I'll take the schedule. I guess so. I'll take the Huskies. So will I? You know, that's like the battle of the homeless towns right there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what they should do. <laughs> Each, each get a team of homeless guys and let them duke it out. Yeah, there you go. Next up, Alabama State at UCLA. Kyle says, playing Alabama State. Oh, I didn't hear that first part, Billy. What was it? You, uh, Alabama State at UCLA. Kyle says, UCLA playing okay. Alabama State. Are you a Big Ten school or an SEC school? UCLA. I, too, am taking UCLA. It's at UCLA? Correct. The UCLA would not play at Alabama State. Okay. I'll, I'll take UCLA. I hate that son of a bitch. I know. It's not who I want to win. It's who I think is going to win. Okay. Next up, Arizona State at number 12, Oklahoma State. Um, Oklahoma State. I, too, am taking Oklahoma State. Kyle says... Oklahoma State. <laughs> okay. says Oklahoma State. That's a little disappointing. I, I feel like he didn't put the effort in this. this well, because he's <laughs> had a friend in town and he's out working. Uh, next up, number 14 USC at Stanford. So we've got a conference game. Hold on. That's what I was going to say. So USC at Stanford? Correct. God dang. Mm. Well, Kyle says I'm gonna I'm inter- gonna take Stanford. Okay, Kyle says interconference play, USC. I'm taking USC. Also, Eastern Washington at Oregon. The Red Turf Boys, right? Yep. The Screaming Eagles. Well, they're the. Well, Kyle says Screaming Eagles take a duck out of the air. So I too am going to take Eastern Washington. Well, I'm going to join that bandwagon. Oh God. What? Okay, we don't have very many different picks here. I think we're almost we, all. We the got same. a couple. We got a, no, no, we got a couple. I'm picking Stanford. You guys are picking USC. Okay. okay. Kyle's picking UNLV. We're both picking Cal. So we got a little area here where we can have variety. Yep. All right. Next up, Mississippi State at Arizona. Um, take Mississippi State. Okay. 
Kyle says, what does he say here? He says, it's a dry heat, Arizona, which is true. They're, 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 uh, more into the, uh, Humidity down there. But Mississippi mm-hmm. State is where Mike Leach coaches now. Really? Yeah. So I am going to take Mississippi State. And who are you taking? I was taking Mississippi State. Oh, okay. What um, – is Mississippi State a pretty notable school? Not really. What? I mean, what, I mean white, they're, they're, they've been pretty good in baseball. Oh, Leach got fired for the uh, – He left. Wasn't it over the the vaccine? No, he left. That was the other guy, the guy from um, oh, from Hawaii that had been there that, that left. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, guys. Sorry, it's been a few years. Pandemic yeah. messed me up. Yeah. What, so how long has Leach been down there? Oh, four years. Did he left them to go to Mississippi State? Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Well, he didn't. Was there drama involved in his exit, or did he just leave? He just kind of left. Um, he has been down there since 2020. Hmm. So he was at Washington State from 2012 to 2019. Okay. So there you go. All right, Beach. So there's our picks and our last game, which we will not pick: Oregon State at Fresno State. What says you? What says me? Yeah. Oh, I think we're gonna do incredibly well. Kyle says, um, I, I think it might be a little closer than, than uh, last week's game, mm-hmm. but I, I think we're going to play very. Well, Kyle says beavers are the mountain. Solidly. Yeah. Beaver. Kyle says beavers. Right. You're breaking up. Kyle says the beavers are the mountain West champions. All righty. So, there you go. Um, uh, Fresno state did open up with a 35 to seven win over Cal Poly last week. So they played well, but it's Cal Poly, another um, FCS team. So not, not the quality win that the Beavs got with, by beating Boise state. So we'll have to see the Beavs need to go on the road and win other than uh, USC last year. The Beavs did not win on the road. So they need to make improvements there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So anything else to add beach? I don't think so, Billy. Not this week. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 177 of Illegal Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion or ask a question, HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter or HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. Remember, listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Leave a rating and review. Beej. Billy. It's been great. And people keep asking, are we going to Fresno State? Uh, we are not because we're going to be down in Southern California that yeah. weekend. Hell no. We were at the game at at Fresno State in 2001. I have never feared for my safety inside a venue like I did there. Yep. And I will never go back to that place. Now, some people call Fresno the armpit of California. I disagree. Bakersfield, isn't it? Bakersfield's the armpit. <laughs> Fresno's the asshole. Yeah, a little little geography issue there, but yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, so yeah, I'll never go back to that city. The only time we did stop there, um, when Jess and I were driving up um, 99 one time, mm-hmm. coming back from a time in Southern California, and mm-hmm. she really had to go to the bathroom and wanted something to drink, and I'm like, I refused. I'm like, no, I don't want to stop. And she's like, please. I'm like, fine. 
So we just pulled off to the side of the road, um, went into a McDonald's and got a, went to the bathroom, bought a soda. And we were coming around the back. Um, there were two bums fighting. <laughs> right? Two bums fighting because they're about who was going to wipe down people's windows. Uh, oh. She wanted to take off and I'm yelling, bum fight. She's like, just, just go. And I'm like, no, I want to watch this. These two bums are going to cook the crap of each other. Then the other thing is we were, went across the street. Actually, that's where we went to the bathroom. We came across to get a, to get a polished soda at McDonald's. We actually went to the bathroom and ate some lunch at the In-N-Out. Uh-huh. Only In-N-Out I've ever seen without a line. Really? Also, the only In-N-Out I've ever seen with a security guard in the parking lot. Wow. So there's Fresno for you. So with that, saying, everyone have a good week, and let's get into a second win of the season over Fresno State. Go Beavs. So if if I don't hear from Kyle, we will go with yours, okay? Okay. Okay, yeah, f- guy. Kyle. <laughs> him and the horse he rode in on. In the tree, something. I hate you, Kyle. All right. Um, hold on, let me send a text to the boys. Welcome to Illegal Participation. Let them know the I'm... official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. <sighs> Joining me, as always... Is the Twin Pines here's an Airbnb. My co-host and brother, the Beach. How are you doing, Beach? I'm doing pretty good, Billy. Welcome Just to. <laughs> you always step on it like that. Uh, go ahead. <clears throat> now I need a slug of water because you screwed me up. <laughs> you need a slug of something, like my fist right in your face. Welcome. Are you, re- are you are you recording? <laughs> yes. Okay. Want to make sure because you did that before. Uh, make sure. Yes, it's recording. God. <laughs> Dick. Okay. <clears throat> Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters. I'm your host. And the big bald guy behind the grill, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beach. Beach, how in the heck are you doing today? See, that's messed up. Because there's nothing there. What happened to you, Beach? Freaking solar flares.
Peach? There you go. Yeah, what'd you, what'd you do? A button on my headphones. All right. Like a monkey. What's going on, Peach? Like a monkey in a football. That football like a mother I tell you that. <laughs> Dumb. What was that? Number 10, Oregon State men's soccer dominated the possession and the scoring chances. And I forgot to write down what the score was. Wow. You know, I don't you know, know what, what you beach. do with yourself all day. You know beach, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> they, uh. they, they kicked the crap out of him, okay? <laughs> And that's where we're going to go on to the next one. <laughs> and that's a point for Beach and a point for William. And Kyle gets nothing. On to the second game in the in the uh, Pac-12. TCU. See, no, I'm going to cut all this out. With Arizona. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, you had a little bit of problems with breaking up. You know, when you started doing the whole we didn't start the fire, I'm like, Beach, this is going to take forever because I've been through this. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. 